I bid you welcome. God, I'm here. We all go a little mad sometimes. We accept the one of us. We accept the one of us. What's your favorite scary movie? Wolfman's got an Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Home is Where the Horror Is, a podcast dedicated to our love of horror. I'm your host, Brian. And I'm Monica. And babe, would it probably have been better for me to start this episode with, welcome, 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 (laughs) horror lovers. (laughs) We've got old horror, new horror, (laughs) slasher horror. (laughs) If if that's not enough of a... uh, of a little teaser of the movie I chose this week. Well, before we get into it, we talked a little bit about it, but I think since last episode, you finally finished the Night Ripper. Night, Night Stalker. Night Stalker, that's yeah. right. And uh, it's pretty goddamn crazy. It is, yeah. I mean, I still don't understand by any fathom how that guy was getting women to send him stuff or to how they were being obsessive one if he opened his mouth it was a massacre yeah i i mean i guess i can see like he has that like kind of bad boy appeal and uh, like as long as he kept his mouth closed like not saying that he was like very attractive but like he he was all right you know what i mean but once he opened his mouth and i think it was more like you know there are women out there that just kind of go after dangerous men like that here's the deal i'm fine with dangerous men or even murderers but when you get into his territory where there was kids there was yeah oh yeah, rape yeah, of yeah, kids, yeah yeah like that should automatically even like I, I mean i don't know the psyche of all women and but it's like the amount he was getting yeah it wasn't just a few I would almost feel like the psyche of anyone, if you found out, like, some sicko did that to a kid, it would just be a complete turnoff, yeah, period. Like, yeah. there's nothing. It wouldn't matter how he looked or anything. Um, that always disturbed me, aside from just the terrible, terrible things he did. Yeah. Um, it, it does make sense why when we watched uh, American Horror Story, Summer of 84, and people were upset that they kind of, like, Hollywoodized his character yeah. in that. I get it now. Like, I didn't understand that case before I watched that documentary. And now I'm like, yeah, I could get why people would be upset. Yeah. Like, I I knew a little bit about him, but I didn't realize, like, all the stuff with the children happens. Like, Mm. that was actually a shock to me. Yeah. It's really, really messed up. Yeah. But um, other than that, did we watch... We watched other movies, but did we watch any horror I don't think we watched any horror. Because we watched that new Wonder Woman and we watched The Gentleman, which was great. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. I think that was it. Okay. So, it's the last week in January. And as we've said, we were definitely just kind of uh, free balling it, picking whatever we wanted. We've been a little all over the map. Last time I got to choose, I gave Monica a black and white, which inspired one of her newer movies that she loves Mm -hmm. so this time i wanted to go with a to me what i would consider an undeniable classic i went with from dust till dawn and it really is a great movie i do love this movie so much yeah and have you and i i feel like we've maybe watched this together like oh yeah at least once i know 
Um, but this is one of those movies that if it's on TV, I put it on. Yeah. Like almost every time. Like, and I am willing to break out the Blu-ray or DVD to actually watch it sometimes. Yeah. Um, so let me run down some of the basic information. This was released in 1996. It was directed by Robert Rodriguez and written by Robert Ro- Rodriguez with the screenplay written by Quentin Tarantino. It stars Harvey Keitel, George Clooney, Quentin Tarantino, Juliette Lewis, Ernest Lee, who's probably the only name you're not going to recognize, Salma Hayek, Cheech Marin, Danny Trejo, and Tom Savini. I mean, it's a who's who of names. Yeah. And, you know, there's other people like Greg Nicoretto who would go on to direct The Walking Dead and do some of the most famous, you know, makeup designs in Hollywood. So it's just an amazing, amazing cast, top to bottom. Like I said, the only one you're really not going to know is Ernest Lee because this was kind of his only thing, and he's the son of Harvey Keitel. So the general synopsis, and if you've been living under a rock... um, I know, I'm pretty sure everyone has seen this. Everyone's seen this. But I will say, if you haven't seen it, major, major spoilers. Because this is one of those movies that, infamously, I have a buddy, Chris Mole. You know, he watched it, and he said he didn't realize it was a horror movie. He thought it was, like, a Tarantino movie. Oh, okay. And then it got halfway through, and he's like, what? Yeah. (laughs) What's going on here? Like, so it totally threw him for a loop. But um, the movie is set up with... uh, you know, prior to a, or post a bank heist with Seth and his brother Richard Gecko, which is George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino. These are really bad guys. They've been on a crime spree throughout Texas, and we're kind of catching them in the act at a local convenience store. And if you've ever seen most Quentin Tarantino movies, it's very similar where it's just people going about their normal life, there's some dialogue, and then boom, a flash of violence. Yeah. Fast forward to uh, they're trying to get out of the country into Mexico to escape to this place called El Rey, which will give them sanctuary with their heist money, and they can ride off in the sunset, successful murderers and robbers. Unfortunately for Harvey Keitel and his family, they are kind of traveling the country in an RV after Harvey Keitel lost his wife, and he was a former preacher. And, or I should actually say, I guess he was a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just decide to happen to want to stop at this one hotel that these brothers are at. And the brothers spring, see their opportunity, kidnap the family, and take them across the border at the meeting place uh, with Carlos, who's going to give them their sanctuary in El Rey. And the place is called what, babe? The Titty Twister. And this is where the movie... It gets real interesting because up until this point, nothing actual horror related Mm -hmm. happens. There's not even a hint of horror. Even going into the titty twister, it's okay. It's cool. The real creme de la creme, the whole moment when Salma Hayek, who is Santanico Pandemonium, comes on stage, does her dance. In the middle of the dance, she transforms into a vampire and so does uh, everybody who works at the bar. Mm Mm-hmm. From there on, it's a fight for the family and the Gecko brothers to try to survive the night. And that sums it up as easily as I can. It really does hit you out of nowhere. If you didn't know, 
I almost wish they gave this a different title so it threw even more people off. Mm-hmm. And, like, if the trailers... I don't remember... I remember the trailer back in the day kind of showed a vampire, so you would know. I almost wish they didn't do that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, before we get into what what we really love about this, why don't you give us a rundown of the postmortem? All right. So I actually did have to look up kills just because there's a ridiculous amount of kills. Um, so, like you said, the the bar is for bikers and truckers, and um, uh, most of them, pretty much all of them, get killed along with a bunch of vampires and everything like that. So there winds up being 134 kills. Yeah. So now, that being said, the bar is called the Titty Twister. Like this? So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there, you see 21 titties. <laughs> Pairs yes. of titties. Pairs of titties. Pairs of titties. So that's, so that's 42 titties. That is 42 case. titties. <laughs> Maybe there's 43 because you only see half a titty. I that's, don't know. That's, that's possible. Yeah. Um, not many. I it didn't really count screams like that, like about five or so. I mean, there was almost all coming from Juliet Lewis. Yeah. There was a few guy screams, but for the most part, she was the the scream yeah. throughout the movie. Yeah. Um, now... I actually have quite a few reoccurrings that I, I did. So this doesn't take the lead because Bitten definitely takes the cake for this. But the use of the word fuck was used 98 times in this movie. Which, what? how many was it again in Bitten? It was 196. Like, okay, so here's the deal. Quentin Tarantino is notorious, and since he wrote the screenplay... You knew there was going to be a lot of use of that word, and in all of his movies, it's used. I don't know which movie uses the most, but I know at one point, one of his movies, I thought held the title, and then I think it might have been Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Um, but as I said when we reviewed Bitten, I said, there's, I don't think there's going to be a horror movie that competes. Yeah. This was the only one, and I knew in the back of my mind, I was like... That might like I didn't know. But yeah, it was a really, hundred shy. <laughs> it really shows how much they used it in bitten. Yeah, so. yeah, ridiculous. Um, so we were going to keep track of the amount of times George Clooney tilts his head, his little signature move. I kind of gave up on that. I... Yeah, she she forgot to keep counting because it's funny in that movie. For those of you who watch it, just take note of how often his head is just slightly tilted one way or another. It almost happens so often that you think that's just how he's normally Yeah, and I, I think that's what I was like, wait, what, did, was that a head tilt? I, I'm not sure. Yeah. And then between that and trying to count all the fucks, it was just... It probably know. would have been easier for you to count how often he's, his head was up straight. Straight, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I did sneak one in there that I didn't tell you I was keeping track of just because, you know, it is related to Quentin Tarantino. Feet shots? Yes. There are six feet shots in this movie. So wait, let me go through with them. So when he gets the keys thrown at him and he reaches down, he sees Juliet Lewis's feet and he looks at him. Um, With Salma Hayek obviously dripping the champagne into his mouth. Which I'm pretty sure he had a heart on underneath that table. He was sucking on her toes. Part of the reason why he probably wanted to act in it was that I think there's another Juliet Lewis one. But no, go ahead, tell me, because I'm, I'm sure I'm going to mess. If you got sex. Um, uh, most of it was in the bar. Yep. So Julia Lewis, when she's sitting in the RV and he's looking at her feet, um, there was two or three with Selma Hayek. There was, like, another one of the uh, 
like a couple of the vampires and stuff like that that you yeah. saw their feet. So the other word that we had to keep track of, and the majority of it was from Cheech Marin, was the use of the word pussy. <laughs> so, and uh, I did have five pussy counts before we got yeah. to the bar, but the rest was done at the bar, and that was a total of 35. So okay. within the stretch of pretty much like, about a two-minute scene, he dropped the word pussy 30. like 30 times. I mean, it's... I don't know if it's good or bad, but it's one of the scenes that stands out in the movie. Yeah. And you ask anybody who's seen this movie, that's usually one of the things they laugh about yeah. and like talk about. It really outshines a lot of other great parts of this film. Yeah. But yeah, I, we had to put that in there. So yeah, that was, that was a pretty solid uh, countdown. Now, I think you already covered, yeah, there was no sex. No. Um, really, no Murphy's Law. I mean, you could argue the only Murphy's Law was that they were locked in. Mm. But that was basically it. Yeah. Outside of that, you know, it falls. Other than people being punched. I don't think a lot of people just, like, tripped. Like, just tripped, no. Yeah. All right, so, now, I feel like it's going to be very one-sided in these categories, but what were some of the things you loved about the film? Well, the first thing I oh, love about Jesus, this movie. Oh, Jesus. I already know. <laughs> <sighs> is that George Clooney is mighty damn fine. <laughs> Even with his little, uh, with that, what's the, oh, God, Eddie Munster haircut looking kind of going was a on goofy there. looking haircut. Yeah, but he is definitely fine in this movie. This is one of his better movies. Oh, Christ. Yeah. I should have known The tattoo better. and yeah. Yeah. Um, see, I'm going to go a little more serious and <laughs> I like the dialogue really well. <laughs> it was very well written and you always expect that from, you know, Rodriguez and Tarantino when they work together. But, you know, kind of melding that. The dialogue is so... You pay attention so much more because so many moments in that film are so tense. And I'm talking even prior to the zombies. Or oh, zombies. Vampires. Vampires. Like when they, when Seth comes back and Richie had killed the Big woman. Girl, yeah. The conversation, like, you know what just happened. It just, it's crazy when they're at the border, at, when he's talking with the family, just... It, you you chew up every word, and mm -hmm. all the moments are just like, what's going to happen next? Because yeah. now you know how unpredictable they are. So it's really tightly yeah. written. And I love I loved the look of the bar. Yeah, like the bar was awesome, and that's what I said. I was like, we need to find a place like this to go to. Like, it's such a it's such a, an amazing set. Yeah, like just from the outside, the giant neon sign with the pinch and the nipple, yeah. the the. Uh, the interior is, and once again, it's a spoiler, but from the exterior at the end of the movie, you see it's actually on top of an old Aztec or Mayan ruin. Mm -hmm. um, but on the inside, there's little, like, cut-out alcoves yeah. that look representative of that. But it's like you got your stage. It's like a sleazy bar, but there's just so much going yeah, on. Yeah, definitely. And it feels the part, because on one hand, the bar feels very claustrophobic. But with yeah. everything going on, it feels big, too. Like, it's weird. They maximize that space really yeah. well. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I just really love the look of the vampires. Mm -hmm. Because most vampires look completely different than the one they're standing next to. 
and like Danny Trey's vampire looks very different than Sal- yeah. Sal- Salma Hayek's vampire almost looks like a snake. I was about to say that, yeah. You know, and then like a cobra. Yeah, yeah. The way her like she has almost like a hood that yeah. comes up. Um, and so- she was dancing with the snake. And a lot of the other vampires actually looked like their noses were the style of a legit vampire bat. Yeah. Like where they're, it's that flared out nostril. Mm-hmm. But then others like um, Sex Machine or what the hell is it? Is it Sex Machine? The white guy with the, Tom the gun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he looks almost like a rat. Yeah. Like his nose is pointy, like almost like a Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. And then when he gets his head chopped off, he turns into like a rat monster. Yeah. Like, so they really just did not stick to, like, oh, this is just what our vampires look like. Yeah. So that's, I, I love that. You even had that one vampire who has a giant mouth in her stomach. Yeah. Um, so the creativeness in that is what I love the most. What else for you? Um, and I did like how there's there's two scenes where buildings blow up and, like, they're walking away. Mm-hmm. Like, I just like the look of that. Like, yeah, how they're walking shot. away. And, yeah, yeah. Um, here's one thing I'll throw in there that I liked is this is one of those movies and Tarantino does this in most of his movies. You feel sympathetic for these terrible guys. Mm -hmm. They've been on a killing spree. They've killed police for no reason. They killed whatever people. Richie has raped and killed who knows how many women, but you've, they sucker you in. They, they kidnap this poor family and get most of the family killed and yet you still feel bad for them yeah. to some degree. Like you shouldn't you should be like, Good, I yeah. don't they're scumbags. You shouldn't want Seth to survive the night. Like, but you do. Yeah. You do because you think he's hot. Yeah. No, I'll comfort him. He can come my way. Really? <laughs> Would you do it with Richie too? No. No. Um so yeah, they, they just they really hit that out of the park with tricking you into caring about people you yeah. should not care about. Was there anything you didn't like about the movie? Just that it does slow down in the middle a little bit. It's like kind of like you more mean a little fast. Pre vampire or right after? Like right after. Like, you know, they get into the fight and all the vampires, yes, they kill yeah. every. And then it's like a good 10, 15 minutes where you're just like, all right, nothing's happened. They're just sitting around talking. Well, you know what the problem with that is? Yeah, the pacing is a little off because so much of the movie is you're tense, you're tense, you're tense. But not for horror reasons. Mm-hmm. Then you get to the bar, you you kind of relax with them, and you get in that trance with Salma Hayek, and then it's like full speed ahead. That climax like gets you to a point where like holy shit, body parts are going everywhere. Mm-hmm. Their vampires go on fire. You know all this is happening, and then yeah, you, they pretty much clear the whole bar, and you know there's a second wave coming. Yeah, but like there is a lot of just like. All just right. talking and this. Which and is that. what they're trying to get you, lull you back down. Because then they got to get you ready for the yeah. final battle. Yeah. Um, Although I do love in that little that little uh, section there when Sex Machine does get turned into a vampire and he's sitting there talking. I, the other guy's talking about like when he was in the war. And yeah. And all of a sudden you just see his hands. See just, little hands come on over. The only thing I didn't like is the sound design. Um, specifically the technical aspect of it because this is one of those classic movies where you have to turn up really loud and then yeah. the music is way too loud so you have to turn it down. You're constantly playing with the volume. Yeah. Or you're either going to be blasting your ears or kind of straining to hear some of the dialogue. Yeah. But that's very simple. 
I got a lot of goddamn scenes I want to talk about, so I'm going to hope you captured some of them. I'm going to actually let you go. You know what? I'm going to throw mine out there because there's no chance you have this. And it's just a funny scene that's overlooked. It's very early on. They get to the hotel and Seth is ringing the bell and there's no answer. And you, oh, you, yeah. you get a feel for how impatient this guy is. And he's just ding, ding, ding. And then yeah. smacking it. And this old guy, what the hell do you <laughs> want? He's like, I want a room, you mean old bastard. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay, all right. Like, it's just such a funny, I, I love moments like that. Yeah. Like, that character was, in, like, what was the purpose of that, if not to make you laugh and to realize Seth's a little off, too. He is lovely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I just want, like, you know, I went from the beginning. I, like I said, I love when they're, like, they're walking away from the gas station and just, like, blowing up behind them. And they're just like, oh, a normal day. It is down. not yeah. shooting a cop in the head. <laughs> it is not. Yeah, he's, like, reprimanding yeah. him. And they're not missing a beat. You know, <laughs> Richie has a hole in his hand. Yeah. Seth is yelling at him. It's just, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. And then they're driving, and, like, uh, Richie's just looking through the hole. Yep. Yeah. Um, I obviously got to mention the Tom Savini set. Like, the reveal of his cock pistol yes. was so, like, you see Tom Savini, and if for horror fans out there, this kind of bleeds into a fun fact, but he's essentially reprising his role as Blades from Dawn of the Dead, the original. He was in that movie, and he was a biker in that movie, huh. and had a whip, and had like a machete, um, with like the leather jacket. So he's kind of that same role, but now he just has a you know a cock pistol, and it's George Nicoretto who's sitting there, holds up the knife to him, and he hits him with the whip, and then he comes forward, or I'm sorry, he hits him with the whip to get his beer, comes forward with the knife, and you just see this. Mm-hmm. One of the most impractical weapons yes. you could ever have, but still, it's a great aesthetic. And the little added touch of having barrels on each side look like the balls. Balls, yeah. It's perfect. That was pretty awesome. So, yeah. yeah. One of the, like, best... This is one of those characters, like, in movies where you just want to know so much more about how did they end up... Like, who were they before they got there? Yeah. So, yeah, I had to mention that one. Mine is just when they're driving up to the Titty Twister. I mean, it's, like, so awesome. It's, like, you know, now it's getting to dusk because obviously they're open from dusk till dawn. Um, And you see, like, the sun starting to set and you have, like, all these lights and then you have fires shooting out of, like, you know, the pyrotechnics and stuff like that. And then you roll up onto uh, Cheech Marin and his pushy spiel. Yep. Um, I'm going to put this in here even though we'll go over the amount of allotted scenes because I'm sure you have it too. The dance scene itself. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, Salma Hayek, wow. Mm-hmm. Like, she's crazy. But on top of just seeing her was enough, the transformation just comes so, like, for her to turn into a cobra vampire, it was an, it would have been enough for her just to have fangs and, yeah. like, the big eyes. No, they went full transformation. And that, that juxtaposition of just this sexy... Everyone's chill. And, and even yeah. the band, it goes from this like very slow to all of a sudden like dang, 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 like hard yeah. rock almost. So I love that that transition of the movie. Yeah. What about you? Um Well, I have the one scene actually relates to my favorite kill, so I'll save that. Um but the one I have is 
when they're stuck in the back room Mm -hmm. and they're making the weapons and like they open up all these boxes so they have like a super soaker that they fill with holy water they have a cross shotgun literally they have a shotgun and then they put like a baseball baseball. bat to make it yeah yeah, well that was when he was behind the bar but he's still that's like that's one of the weapons that he made um they filled condoms with holy water which we still have to try that to see if that would actually work like i said i think it might um they had like the crossbow and the the jackhammer with the stake on it well not only the jackhammer i could be like okay once again it's truckers maybe one of them was a construction truck he just grabs a random table post yeah. and it just so happens to, to fit, fit perfectly and that in thing there. has got to be heavy oh i mean it's definitely not light but yeah that i'm a i'm a sucker for prep scenes mm-hmm. for montages for like that's a throwback to like 80s right there yeah um yeah when um yeah i you know i'm gonna save a scene too because it relates to one of my kills uh but i will say when harvey Keitel is behind the bar stands up and there's just this sea of new vampires Uh, yeah and these are just the other vampires they were all like naked strippers they were gruesome but these ones are just pure creatures yeah like they came from being bats like you're like questioning yeah they're all naked you're like were they ever human like Mm. is this just pure creatures and they look demonic as hell uh and there's like the flicker of the flame like as he's looking out into Mm -hmm. it it just is like oh damn how are they gonna make it out of there yeah that's it for scenes that I have. Okay. So. And then the final scene I do want to mention is just that Tom Savini, like, turning into the rat thing. Yeah. I never understand. Even today, I still don't understand a few things. One, why does he turn into a rat? Like, or is that supposed to be the most weirdest werewolf ever? I don't really know. Um, why does he, like, he gets shot and then explodes with the crossbow? Yeah. I, I didn't understand that either. Well, maybe. Well, remember, like the 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 gun they were putting well, crosses. She, she shot him with a crossbow. Yeah. Well, they were putting like like with the guns on the bullets. They were putting crosses, so you don't know what they did with the crossbow. Maybe they put true. a cross on it or put whole, dunked it in holy water. Like. I guess that's true. You don't know. Yeah. Like I said, I know I'm overanalyzing that yeah. part, but still. All right. So since we both had to hold back a little bit on scenes, what was your favorite kill? So my favorite kill was the big guy, the big vampire. Uh, yep. And he starts running at them. And what's the big guy's, the big black guy's name? I, 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 I'm going to screw it. It's not Jim Brown, but it's. I forget what his name was yeah. in the, it was like Bulldog, like something like that. Yeah. Like some along those lines. So he just starts running and he just like punches him in the chest and is able to like pull out his heart through his like chest thought, cavity, yeah. like in you know, one swoop. And, you know, he's standing there and he's looking at him and the heart's just beating in his hand. And, you know, he's the vampire starting to charge again at him. And then all of a sudden Tom Savini comes over and grabs a pencil and just jabs it in in the like in his hand as it's beating and the vampire just collapses yeah uh mine so that actually was mine too but i noticed you writing as so i changed mine because there's another one i really love and having you comment when it happened made me really want to when cheech marin's vampire character dies and he's like you know what they say about me (laughs) i saw i saw and she shoves a cross in his mouth 
he like melts down, but his eyes burst yeah. and just squirt all Aww. over. Like it's such a gory, great kill that it, it's a it's a highlight of some of the the uh, the special effects yeah. work. So I had to put that in there. Yeah. So what was your least favorite kill? My least favorite was the brother. Damn it, that's mine too. I okay. mean, you know, he's sitting there, and you know, he he gets bitten, and all of a sudden, all the other um, vampires surround him, and everything like that. And uh, you know, he's like, "Just kill me, Kate, kill me!" Yep. And then she has to shoot her own brother. Yeah. So that was a scene I really, I I knew I was going to talk about at some point. I told Monica this scene really fucked me up when I was a kid. Like it disturbed me in a way, and it made me like. It actually made me afraid of that. Pro- like, when I was a kid, I usually used to be like, oh, I could deal with a zombie apocalypse or a vampire. Like, you know, and I thought about, like, that creeped me out because it's, one, he gets turned, he gets bit first by his dad. Yeah. That was creepy enough. Um, and he has to shoot his dad. And then, like Monica said, he's surrounded by these creatures. That kid, I give him all the credit, his acting, his scream, the way his arms were shaking. Yeah. Like, you're like, oh, my God. Just, like, he's in pure agony. Yeah. Like, everyone else that died, you know, either gets brutally ripped. It was, like, slow. Mm-hmm. And, like Monica said, then she has to kill her brother. It's just, it's well done in a sense. It invokes an emotion from me. Mm-hmm. But I hate seeing Every time, yeah. I almost don't want to watch it. Because, like, I don't know. It just doesn't make me feel good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, Seth had to kill his own brother. But, you know. Yeah, it's but not you don't feel as bad. Also, yeah. I didn't feel bad one iota well, yeah. for him. Yeah. You know? It's just and that's where I go back to this poor kid who gets drug in by these guys and that's what happens to yeah. him. So poor kid. All right, so before we get on to our grades, I do have a bunch of fun facts. Something you mentioned while we watched. You said, What if Salma Hayek was afraid of snakes? Turns out she actually did have a real phobia of snakes and was refusing to go near them. So as soon as she read the script, she realized what was happening. Uh, basically, Robert Rodriguez kind of tricked her and said, if you don't take it, like Madonna wants this role and is going to take it. Yeah. This kind of sparked her to – she spent two months with therapists to get over her phobia of snakes huh. and eventually was able to come overcome it. So – you were right on yeah. the money. That's what, And when I said, I said, there's no way you do a scene like that and you're afraid of snakes. Yeah. She was, but she got over it. I um, mean, if you're going to pay me a shit ton of money, I'll roll around with a spider. I don't know. <laughs> um, so the line when George Clooney goes, no thanks, I already had a wife. Yeah. That wasn't written by anyone. George Clooney just Threw improved it. But then the studio who did cut together the commercial – added it in there and it tested it really well so robert rodriguez was going to cut it but like because it was they yeah. kind of had to keep it in there which is weird because it is a like i think it's a good line yeah like it's not super funny it's just kind of like appropriate you know yeah. um speaking of salma hayek for that dance she didn't have a choreograph a choreographer basically robert rodriguez just told her to feel the music and dance to it mm-hmm. so she came up with that shit all by yeah. herself and he did the same thing with Jessica Alba in Sin City. Hmm. So those girls know how to dance. Well, they're Latin, so, yeah. you know, they... What are you trying to, to say, swing, babe? They know how to swing their hips. Uh, question. Did you understand or did you know what was the color of blood of all the vampires? Green? Yeah. You know why, right? Why? It's a standard trick with 
many are movies movies uh that's a way to avoid getting an x rating huh. if you were to have red blood it would be too much real blood so green suggests it's not real blood that's literally that's stupid. A, it it's very stupid. That's stupid yeah um but you can say pussy 35 times and fuck 98 times yeah yeah but you can't have they had to blood. cut so much and that's one of the other fun facts they had to cut so much more kills and gore and scenes to not get that x-ray rating that it is something we should have watched before doing this like i don't know if you've ever watched the extras i have no. some of the scenes are even crazy really? like i said the one vampire woman has like a a mouth for a belly and is chomping a guy in half oh. so yeah yeah, we'll have to watch that. Uh, Tom Savini and his character, he insisted on kind of doing some of his own stunts in terms of, like, throwing people around. And he actually punched many of the actors, one of them being George Clooney. And George Clooney kind of got pissed because he actually got punched yeah. by him. But Tom Savini's kind of like, stop being a pussy. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so here's what I think you'll find interesting. Your boy toy, George Clooney, mm -hmm. almost was not cast because oh. there were no numerous... I mean, many people went in, but here's some of the people, and I want you to imagine them in that role. Okay. What the, some of them you'll get: Antonio Banderas. Okay. Steve Buscemi. No. <laughs> no. Michael Madsen, who actually would have made sense. He's the guy in like, uh, you know, Kill Bill, like the cowboy that like shoots Uma Thurman, like we just watched. He's got the real gruffly voice like this. He's in almost every Quentin Tarantino movie. I'm not good with names. I know, but in Quentin Tarantino, you know the guy that's dancing the stuck in the middle with you, and he's about to cut the guy's ear off, and he does. I think so. So, yeah, while you're looking that up, speaking of that movie, Tim Roth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, Tim Roth also. Which movies? Which movies? He's been, he's, like, he's the cop in Reservoir Dogs, the undercover cop. The one that got shot. He was in the Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton. He was the bad guy. Okay. Yeah, um, no. Mm -mm. John Travolta. No. Why? Who actually was, well, we'll get to that. Christopher Walken. I mean, he is a genius, but uh, yeah. Jeff Goldblum. Oh, no. Oh, no. James Woods. No. And Robert De Niro. No, no. They definitely chose one. Yeah, I mean, here's the deal. If it was any of those guys, the character would have been just different. Yeah. It would have, I mean, they wouldn't have been trying to play, like, a younger, tattooed-up guy. I'm sure they just would have been, like, different. Yeah. But uh, the one that was actually closest who had to decline the role was Travolta because he declined this because he wasn't interested in doing a vampire movie and instead chose to do Pulp Fiction. Okay. So that's really... I mean, he he's better off in Pulp Fiction. Sure, than... yeah. Uh, it should also be noted that uh, Selma Hayek's whole, like, Santanico pandemonium was based on that a movie of the same name it was a mexican gory horror movie from 1975 hmm. so tarantino was obsessed with it and just wanted to throw that uh, name in there. yeah um one of tarantino's biggest most obvious trademarks in movies the trunk shot when some people are looking at oh, the yeah, trunk yeah. and almost every tarantino movie that has a trunk involved like has a car in it has that shot yeah. so that was in here um Sex Machine's crotch gun can be seen in Desperado when they search his case and the false top oh, yeah, starts yeah. to lift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and then it's interesting. So Sex Machine, you notice how he like uses a whip. Yeah. I know you you know nothing about video games, but one of the games I love the most, Castlevania. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was so Tom Savini loves that game because it's about a guy who kills vampires with a whip, okay. and he actually is very proficient. So when you see him using a whip, it's because he actually knows how to, how to use, use a, a whip. whip. Ah. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, that those are kind of the more obvious fun yeah. facts. So now is the time, babe. What are you rating this? I'm gonna give this an A. I love this movie. Okay, nice. So I, I'm shocked. I thought you would have went A plus because that's what I'm going. I don't have any real gripe. Every time I watch it, I get a little more enjoyment out of it. As I said, it, every time it's on, I love it. And there's really, other than that random slowdown, there's nothing for me to complain. So you're just sticking with an A. I'm sticking with an A. Yeah. All right. Nice. So, how are you gonna go from our Mexican vampire movie to your myth. It's about a Mexican vampire. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's very on the nose. Yeah. I, I thought right away, I knew of some, um, you know, South American vampire myths, but I didn't know where they originated or what was what. So I did look into Mexican vampires, and there's two of the most notorious ones, so I chose one of them. However, it's interesting to note both myths involve a specifically a vampire woman. Hmm. So the name of mine is Teloe Pochi. And there's a lot of history here. So I apologize. It is going to be a little bit long-winded, but I want to give some history lesson because it's an interesting one. So first, I want to start with an incident that really sparked the interest more internationally. In the 1950s, a government worker was assigned to the records department of Glaxcala, which is uh, a east-central Mexico state, and Mexico is made up of 32 individual states, if you will, which was previously its own kingdom that became part of the Aztec Empire. And in that particular state, they are still considered culturally Aztec, and most of their religious beliefs were shared except for the belief in this particular myth. So that's just a little background of the area itself. So this government worker who was, you know, in the 50s, he's assigned to keeping records of this area when he discovered that there was a a strange phrase that was associated with multiple cases of death certificates specifically for infants, and I'm talking in the hundreds. And the phrase was Chupadro por la bruja which basically said, sucked by the witch. Um, All the victims exhibited the same symptoms. Severe bruising, discoloration of the upper body, and the time was usually around night. Hmm. A number of the bodies were sometimes found outside in a field nearby or usually near an open door of the house. So the result of this, this government worker kind of, you know, brought it up the chain and said, we need to do an investigation into these rural areas. Um, And this led to a law being passed in 1954, which required all municipal presidents of that area to report all causes of death, mark the Chupado por la Bruja, to medical authorities for further investigation. 
after that law was passed, all of a sudden, no more cases were reported with this. And there was a belief because the rural town authorities didn't want the government intervening. Mm -hmm. Because they were viewing this as more of a cultural, religious belief. Mm -hmm. And they didn't want, quote-unquote, outsiders interfering. So... This brings us to their belief of what was going on, which brings us to the Telaway Pochi. And I, I'm sure I'm butchering the name a little bit, so give me a little bit. But uh, the Telaway Pochi is a shape-shifting female vampire which feeds on the life of young infants. Um, the phenomenon is so endemic to these rural areas that Anyone really outside of the, those areas had really never heard of it until these, like, 50s or 60s. Like, it was very contained in that area. And the idea of vampire women of that region dates back um, hundreds, if not thousands of years, where uh, they were human women during the day. They had families. They were normal. But at night, they transformed themselves in a variety of ways to go about their evil deeds. So it's very much like the Mananangal. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. All these creatures are born, they're not made. You cannot make a new one. You can't transfer it. Like if you got bit by one, it does nothing to you. It's just really an unlucky person that's born hmm. with this curse. And it said that basically, you know, the, the belief from the locals was that neither God nor the devil could remove this curse from you. But it is interesting because a lot of times they believed that um, these vampires were agents of the devil. If you remember, like, uh, Supernatural, they almost equate them to, like, the Crossroads demons. Like, okay. they would make they would make deals, deals on behalf of the devil. Yeah. But that's where it gets a little convoluted. Um, so the interesting thing is a woman would not even know she's one of these things until about puberty. And when it happens, she realizes it sudden, suddenly. So once she realizes that this is the case, uh, the woman's soul is lost for three days, after which time she becomes infused with special abilities and powers. Mm. And these powers include um, the ability to transform into any animal whatsoever. Mm. So it, it's very it's very interesting. Um, once again, there's no reversing it. Like you find out, it's not like you can do something to stop it. Um, and they're not like other vampires where they're not group oriented. They tend to be very singular, gotcha. acting by themselves. And they're not evil during the day as the human form. It's only at night at when night they change. Um, so they definitely, just like other vampires, they have a lot of similarities to the European. They need blood to survive. But once again, it's more specific to the blood of infants. And even more specific, they prefer people aged 3 to 10 months. Hmm. So right at that really young age. And the thought is because that's the most invigorating to them. Now, they have been known to attack older children or even some adults. But this typically is out of desperation if they're not able to get a baby. Um, and they only need to do this a few times a month. Now, their hunting season if you will, are always during the colder and wetter times of the year. So it usually lines up in those months in Mexico gotcha. when these baby deaths would occur. So would they not, like, feed in the summer or just not as much? They just wouldn't feed as much. Like, they would be much more on the prowl or active during wetter, colder mm. months. Um, 
So as I mentioned, they have the ability to shapeshift and <laughs> don't ask me why, 75% of the time, they would almost always turn themselves into a turkey. Hmm. That was their preferred thing. But once again, they can literally go down to the size of ticks and fleas. Mm -hmm. So when typically they transform into the animal, one of the ways to know if the animal is this creature is it gives off a luminescence or a phosphorescence. Gotcha. So it's like a glowing glows, animal. Yeah. And that's one of the ways if you want to track it down and try to kill it is if you see some animal that looks like it's glowing over time. Well, maybe like maybe just this area is like has a lot of turkeys and maybe that's just a way of them trying to blend in. It's very it's very possible. But, you know, this is where it gets even crazier. So it's not like she, the woman snaps her fingers and turns. There's a whole process behind the transformation. So on the last Saturday of the month, the woman has to, while in human form, gather ingredients to build a small fire in her kitchen on the floor. They, the ingredients include capulin wood, copal, agave roots, and dry zapotal leaves. And she'll have to chant, walk over the fire three times in north, south, and east, west directions, sits on the fire, and that's when the vampire woman detaches her own legs so she can shed part of herself, and that enables her to transform. Once again, it's kind of like the Mananango who cuts, separate, who separate yeah. the bottom half of themselves. So I guess that's a very common theme of the human shedding part of its humanity yeah. to become this monster. So if typically if she's going to travel far for her food, she'll be some kind of bird like a crow or a buzzard. Mm -hmm. And then um, if she's local, she'll usually be a dog or a coyote. But either way, once she finds the house, she transforms typically into the turkey and flies over in a cross pattern before landing. And that's mm. a key. Like They almost always do yeah. that. So once she enters in, you know, she can either stay as the turkey or go back to the vampire form and attacks the infant, sometimes bringing it with her, but usually never kidnapping it. Mm -hmm. She'll leave it there just after draining it of its blood yeah. and leaving it dead. So with all that being said, uh, there is one other interesting thing, which is that all the babies that were assumed victims of these vampire, they call them vampire witches almost, yeah. uh, they were afforded special treatment and death where the, the body of the baby is cleansed, usually by a local folk healer, mm -hmm. and uh, they do a specific chant. But most deaths in Mexico and in this area, there'd be music and almost a parade, but with these cases, there was no music whatsoever, and it was a very solemn and silent. Mm -hmm. And the coffin would be open for viewing, with a cross made of pine of ashes is laid on the floor under the table. So it was a very specific ritual they had for these babies. For yeah. these babies. So naturally, I know what you're thinking is, well, how would you stop them? Yeah. Similar to some of the other myths, garlic can ward them off. So it wouldn't be uncommon for parents to put a little garlic around their baby's crib. Mm -hmm. uh, they're also terribly afraid of mirrors and metal. Mm -hmm. So similarly, um, a lot it was a common practice in this area for uh, a little mirror or something to be put right above the baby yeah. or a pair of open scissors underneath the crib because not only was that metal, but it was a sharp object. Yeah. So this would deter the, the monster from mm -hmm. coming. 
And the easiest way to kill these is driving a wooden stake into her yeah. heart. <laughs> the second easiest way is decapitation. decapitation so yeah. once again, now it sounds like a regular, a regular vampire. vampire. Uh, obviously, if you go to her human home and you find her detached legs, just like the man in Angle, you can throw them into a fire and that will kill her. Gotcha. So while they cannot transmit their powers to anyone um the interesting thing is if you kill one of these you become one Hmm. so as i said she can't like uh, this creature can't turn anyone on purpose but yeah if you kill her you turn so a lot of people were very scared to go hunting for them yeah because they don't want to have that curse on them yeah so a lot of people though would figure out ways of how do you immobilize them and one of those, and this is where it gets, it's weird. You can take off your pants, turn one leg inside out, and throw your pants at her. Oh. Um, two, you can take a white handkerchief, put a rock inside of it, tie, tie up the corners, and throw it at her. Okay. Or three, you can take off your hat, put the hat upside down on the ground, and drive a knife or machete through it. This immobilizes her. Okay. Don't ask me why. Um, and once again, once you have it immobilized, you can either immobilize it to leave it, like stop it for a little bit, or you could choose to kill it. The, there was a little while, not as big as the Salem witch trials, but there were a number of women who were killed for being accused of being these things Mm -hmm. with the latest known execution being as late or as recent as 1973. That's kind of crazy. It's very crazy. Yeah. I mean, once again... You have to imagine, like, I don't know, in America, the equivalent would be, like, what if there were some crazy practices going on in the in the woods of West Virginia or mountains? I mean, that's true. Where it's There's so rural some that, villages, like, yeah. you don't really know what's going on. That's what was happening mm-hmm. in this. So, uh, one of the things I decided to really dig into is, so what really killed the babies? Or what was the most scientific explanation? Yeah. Um, Hugo Nutini... Uh, developed a book called Bloodsucking Witchcraft and Epi... Epitismological... I, I can't say that word. Uh, epistemo- epistemological. Okay. Study of anthrom- anthropomorphic super- supernaturalism in rural Glaxcala. And essentially, when he heard of this, and this was in 1960s, he basically went over there, tried to speak with people, and figured out what could be causing the conditions of these infants to die. And as he noticed, once again, they were all suffering from similar things. Uh, he specifically were able to interview and review 47 deaths of quote-unquote sucklings mm-hmm. that died this way, where he was able to examine some of the bodies himself or talk with the doctors who performed the autopsy. What, he, what was found, though, was that none of these victims had lost blood but oxygen. They were all uh, asphyxiated. That's probably said. That... So, essentially, what he his th- theorized was that most of the babies did die accidentally. Yeah. And what happened is it was very customary for the mothers in that region to feed their babies while lying on their right side. And on a cold night, they would usually feed her while laying and sleeping with, like, a sleeping mat around the baby. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it would be easy, obviously, for a mother to fall asleep in that position, yeah. roll over. Similarly, 
on wet or cold nights, they would wrap the baby in blankets mm-hmm. that were too heavy for the baby. Um, so SIDS is basically the easiest yeah. explanation. But part of the culture of that area is if a mother was found to have harmed her baby in any way, she'd be pretty brutally beaten. Yeah. So in some of the cases where they found the infants, it was believed if your mother woke up and found you did that, you would put it out there and blame this myth that was going back to, once again, ancient Aztecs. Mm -hmm. Because culturally, one way or another, that was a belief in that system. So they believed that in the case of SIDS and the, the way they would handle their babies, that's what was going on, and that was trying to be the explanation. Yeah. Now, was there ever, like, any evidence of, like, any puncture wounds or anything like that on the babies? Like, you know, they're saying that they thought it was a blood-sucking witch. But... Of, I mean, once again, the lore of this thing goes back thousands of years. So they didn't have great records of anything back then. Yeah. But once again, all these specific incidences were basically no blood loss whatsoever, gotcha. just the bruising of the upper butt. So mm-hmm. asphyxiation. After um, he came out with this book and was able to, like, more talk with these women and work with the government, uh, he released that. And by 1965, uh, the infant mortality rate was about 45% of children under five, dropped to about 20%. Mm -hmm. So. It's just education. It's education. But what's interesting is, once again, as I said, there is a strong belief in other type of specifically blood-sucking women from the Aztec culture that kind of bled down throughout other parts of Mexico, too. This one, in that timeline, was it more convenient to use that as a myth of a situation of SIDS? I'm sure. Um, yeah, probably. Because, like, you know, you know, they even tell us, like, you know, put them on their back. Oh, no. Like, I mean, put mother... Put them in the crib, lay flat, no blankets. New parent education these days is obviously key. Yeah. It just is, uh, you know, I, I sympathize because imagine being in a situation you know you may have just accidentally killed your baby. Mm-hmm. And if you get found out by the locals, you're going to get beat something mm-hmm. crazy. Like, I don't know if the right answer is, like, say it was a creature. Yeah. But either way, it just, it's a terrible thing. Because in either situation, whether this thing ever existed or not, infants died. Yeah. Which is and it's crazy that almost half of... 45%. Yeah, almost half of all births end in death. Like Yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, education's a powerful thing, but mm-hmm. uh, like you said, this is one of the probably, if not the first, it's the second most well-known vampire in Mexico. Mm. So t- that's how I tied that. Interesting. <laughs> but isn't it, you know, like I said, what I also found interesting is... There were other beliefs that maybe the lore and mythology of this grew with the expansion of European vampires, specifically mm-hmm. once Bram Stoker released Dracula. Like I said, you're seeing the shit with the garlic, the stake through her heart, the decapitation. That feels too coincidental to just yeah. make sense. The part that really gets me is it's not from European lore. The whole detaching Tashing, your yeah. lower half I don't know why that seems to be a common thing in areas like, well, it's the Philippines. Now it's a rural Mexico. Mm-hmm. Is there something to that? Like, are they finding people's feet around off? Like, that's what I'm kind of wondering. Like, what drove someone to be like, 
she took off her legs. Like, why? I mean, if, like, you really think about it, like, every kind of myth and stuff like that, it has to come from somewhere. Something sparked yeah. it, yeah. Yeah. So, either way, that's my myth for this week. Interesting. A little bit long-winded, but, you know. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. All right. So, you ready to hear about the place? Yeah. All right. So, I did want to stick in Mexico. Okay. And similar to you, I tried to choose a place that isn't necessarily guaranteed haunted, but it's infamous, and it's a place you and I have talked about. It's the Island of Doll- yes. Dolls. I almost said Dolls. Dolls. Um, so I'm going to do my best Spanish attempt. La Isla and de I, la Muñecas. You know, you just, just, <laughs> yeah, you just took all the fun out of it. Would me, you like right? to try? <clears throat> la Isla de las Muñecas. Muñecas. Moon. Muñecas. Muñecas. Yeah, for those of you listening, Monica is damn near close to being fluent in Spanish. So she knows this a lot better. It actually impressed me when I said my terrible way and you knew I was talking about a witch or something. Yeah, bruja. Bruja, yeah. I thought bruja. No, bruja is a witch. I, what is beer? Or no, not, not beer. Bruja, isn't there something else that... No, I know why I knew bruja because of uh, True Blood. True Blood, yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny because uh, today when Logan was on the potty, he's watching the, the iPad. And of course, it's in Spanish. It's right? in Spanish. So they, he's watching Halloween. He was watching Halloween. So and he they said, Bruja. And he said, Bruja. And I was like, that's a witch. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the Island of Dolls. If you've ever looked up uh, m- most fascinating, spooky places in the world, I guarantee this is going to probably be on a lot of people's lists. Yeah, I definitely, that's one place that we have to go to at some point. Uh, so this, so the specific location is in the channels of the Xochimilco. I, I'm, I know I'm butchering it once again. I do apologize. And this is south of the center of Mexico City, very close to the Estadio Azteca Football Stadium, and it is a chinampa of the Laguna de Tesulio. It's a basically an easier way of saying it's a specific type of farm. It's like a lily pad farm. Mm, okay. But it's it's a specific farming place. So the main attraction of this specific island is that if you go there, you will notice all across the island there are dolls of all types of types, sizes, spread out, hung, placed, I don't know what else you want to say, all over this island. Um, so giving a little history... The Island of Dolls was originally owned by Don Julian Santana Barrera, who was a native of the area, and he had left his wife and family sometime in the mid-20th century to buy this island um, kind of for himself. Hmm. Nobody seems to really have specifics of his reasons for doing it, but... It basically, the summation was he was not of sound mind. Mm -hmm. So here's someone right off the bat. Could be a little off. Not long after he got onto the island, he had claimed he made a chilling discovery on the shores of the island, which he found the body of a young girl drowned in the lake. Right after he saw the girl, a doll came floating behind her. So he decided to basically change the course of his entire life and what developed this island moving forward. 
<clears throat> from that point on, every single time, and this is the crazy part, almost every single doll that is on that island came floating down that same canal towards that spot. Uh, so yeah, he yeah. Did, I did read he about didn't, this he, he did not buy the dolls. No matter what the condition was, he always hung it up. And his thinking was uh, if he would put these up, this would appease the young girl and avoid any other um, protection against any other evil spirits. Mm -hmm. Like whatever killed her or if she was an evil spirit herself, this was going to appease her. So he was doing them almost as signs of devotion mm -hmm. and dedications to her. So um, let me see. Uh, in one of the areas right next to his island where he would go to the bar and drink this specific type of liquor, he would also try to preach the Bible, and he got expelled um, from the area for being kind of like a lunatic. Yeah. So a lot of like people knew him as kind of the crazy, the guy, crazy guy. Didn't know much more about it. But once again, there's not a lot of information of, one, was there a girl? Because there's nothing on who the girl was. But... A lot of people are speculating there was never a girl. Mm -hmm. Like it might have just been in his, his imagination. Mind. Yeah. Um, but he swears, and in documents he would have, he swears he would hear the soul of the young girl crying out, "I want my doll," and he would continue to put it out there because that's what he was hearing over and over again. Hmm. <clears throat> in 1987. Uh, the eco-tourist rescue was made, and the island was found covered with water lily. Since then, and after the death of Don Julian, uh, this place has basically become a giant tourist attraction. Yeah. It gained its biggest fame in 1943 when Mexican filmmaker Emilio Fernandez made the film Maria Chandelara. And there's been some other films about this place or as backdrops, but that was what really brought attention to it mm -hmm. and started this boom of um uh, of like international and local channels trying to cover it including huffington bows travel channel ghost adventures went there the amazon prime show laura covered it and it's been in buzzfeed unsolved so everyone's touched upon it um now here's <laughs> the locals are kind of leery you can get specific tour guides, but if you ask locals, they're still a little weary to transport people there because they refuse to go because they have superstitions that it is real. Mm -hmm. Some people have claimed going there, they hear that I want my doll or the spirit yeah. of a young girl as well. Uh, so there is ties to a lot of people making claims. Not a lot on record. Once again, it seems to be hearsay or just, oh, we spoke with these locals. Uh, do you want to take a guess as to the number of dolls? that are on the island oh hmm. so these are these are only ones that he put up right yep 584 1500 wow yeah so i'm showing monica right now and there will be links in everywhere the dolls are just i mean yeah. you have barbie dolls cabbage patch dolls simple baby dolls victorian dolls it's very creepy, um, and w the only other thing that I could read is that there is a belief that the dolls come to life at night. Yeah, I did. I did see that before. So now, I wonder if it's like downriver of like I don't know. Well, here's some the kind deal. of oh, well, once again, it is. Trash. It's near 
dumb. That's my only guess because, okay, it's near Central Mexico City, a very, very large city, but still, I, it's odd that specifically, like, I don't know if he's just letting other trash go by. Yeah. Like, I, that, that I couldn't really find out. But the claim is, once again, and when you look at the dolls, it makes sense. He's just been getting these dolls that keep appearing at yeah. this place. So the only other part that is a little eerie to me, and it's, you know, is it coincidence? I don't know. He died in 2001 of a heart attack, mm-hmm. apparently in the same spot where he found that girl. Hmm. Is that coincidence? Yeah. I mean, now, once again, a lot of people claimed he... Made it up in his head. And if somebody has a very unstable mental condition and he is so fearful of this thing, could that have brought his heart attack on mm-hmm. at that moment? But he lived a pretty long life, so it's kind of tough to say. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, what do you think hearing this? I know you've been interested in this island. I mean, I definitely, definitely want to go. Um, could, could like someone... It is kind of strange like how all these dolls just kind of... The dolls show up. End up he dies supposedly where he found this girl. And, you know, I, I don't know. Like, there's something. I, I mean, like, I, I wonder if there's, like, a spot. Like, all right, so when we went to France, um, we did the, the love bridge where you put your lock mm-hmm. and then you throw your key into the river. Like, is there some place, like somewhere up river that like i got kids... all these keys <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a key island no, i'm saying like you know in mexico like i don't know maybe this you know there's like somewhere throw their dolls throw their dolls like you know That's... maybe when girls become a certain age you know when they say um you know when you put away childish things you know you know okay. that saying That's like you know what i mean good. like you know like i'm a big girl now and throw i don't need these this... yeah that or I like the idea of what you were saying. The tra- the only reason why I would say the trash would be tough is because if, if it's just the dolls. If it's just a doll, or even if it was tra- like I would imagine there'd be such a bigger issue. Like if he's sifting through tra- how much trash is coming yeah. down, that he's collect fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. So it's one of those. Are we glorif- Is the world glorifying tourism and all this? That the mind of just a truly insane person, mm-hmm. like. Was he definitely insane before, or did he get driven insane by this? I, who knows? Yeah. Either way, you know something wasn't right. And to do that for the rest of your life, for almost 50 years, be doing this? I don't... How do I put this without trying to sound insensitive? I don't know if someone could be that... Like, I feel like if you do have some kind of mental issue... One, it would be really tough for you to survive that long on your own. Mm-hmm. Two, almost like, don't you think at some point your goal is going to change? Yeah. Like, unless there's something truly driving you to believe, you better keep doing this to appease something. Yeah. That's the only area where I'm a little like, huh. What I would be fascinated with and what, once again, I couldn't find is if there are still dolls. Like, imagine if you go yeah. there and there's a whole, like, bay of, of like, dolls. dolls just sitting there. Like, that would be creepy as shit. But, yeah, like you said, <laughs> yeah, what if it is someone just, like, throwing the dolls? Yeah. I like my idea, though, of someone having a key island now. Yeah. Look at all these fucking keys. <laughs> I'm the key master. <laughs> I'm the gatekeeper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I yeah, Monica, Monica and I have talked. If we ever can make it down to Mexico, we'd definitely like to at least go buy it see it 
I'll tell you what, though. The pictures, it is creepy as shit. It is creepy, yeah. I would not want to be there at night. I think I, I seen the, the one picture I, I think I saw was, uh, you'll have to look it up. It's actually a like a crab that like, oh. took over the doll head, like, as Well, so that's the what they showed. Like, these dolls, once again, it's it was 50 years leading up to 2001. So now it's it's 70 years of this going on, mm-hmm. and you literally see trees growing through a doll. Yeah. Like, they've actually been incorporated with the ecosystem, it, yeah. where <laughs> your favorite thing is a favorite, some of the more open dolls, our favorite place of spiders and their webs coming yeah. out. So, yeah, I'm sure another 30, I mean, there will come a point where I'm amazed that so many have lasted as long as they have. Yeah. Uh, maybe the the climate there, they, maybe they don't get the kind of storms. Well, obviously, I don't think they get the cold like we do. No. But still, it's uh, I would not want to be there at night. I'll tell you that right mm-hmm. now. I, I would swear, like the wind moves, I would, the fucking dogs are moving. Yeah. So, I saw Toy Story too much. <laughs> that's where what if that's where Big Baby ends up. <laughs> that's funny. So yeah, so there's that place that uh. You've yeah. always wanted to know about. Yeah. Did you know any of this about this? I, I, I did. I read something about it like a long time ago. Like I vaguely remember some of the stuff as you were talking about it. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So very uh, Mexico heavy mm-hmm. week. I tried to connect all the dots there. You know, my first instinct was trying to find a bar that was haunted. Oh, okay. That was a little bit tougher. Yeah. Um, there certainly isn't any bar built on top of an Aztec place that I could have done. <laughs> and then the ruins themselves are obviously, a, they're speculation all the time. So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, that's definitely, like, like, like I said, I want to go to Dia de los Muertas, and I want to go see, like, the different temples and things like that. We just can't touch any of the vines growing on top of them. Yeah, well, as I said, when I went to Cancun for my uh, senior getaway if you will from college i don't even know what you call that if it is a senior thing but we went and we did all the chitsen itza we did some of the major temples and i still will never forget like it seemed way too casual but we're doing zip lining through the woods and rising about we're about to get on he's like all right like so if you see a tree like this and it's like three feet from us he's like yeah don't touch it that's called like the death like tree or bark and like it could have a like a disease that like eats away your flesh hmm. we're like the fuck like you just tell it we just walk through the woods like what are you yeah. talking about so yeah it's uh it's like the rainforest to me is when you think of land places that is the last place i want to be yeah i don't like obviously i wouldn't like desert or freezing cold for those obvious but I have zero interest in going into any type of rainforest style. <laughs> like the amount of crazy snakes, spider. Yeah. I've seen arachnophobia. I don't want that yeah. shit. <laughs> and probably, yeah, there probably are some vines that do some crazy yeah. shit. So, nope, I'm good. So, all right. Well, that is going to wrap up today's episode. We appreciate you guys sticking with us. And if you haven't already, please make sure you hit subscribe. We are available on all social media apps and wherever you can find podcasts. And with that, we want to say have a good night. Until next time.